What I have to offer you might possibly be the gateway to immortality. Just be like, should be like three guys talking for a second, and then shots ring out, and then uh, well, I think that's a wrap. Tone. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds so like per- a great concept. Well, it'd be it'd be a very short podcast, but it would be super authentic and um, potentially a little scary, especially if you're on it. So, do you get new hosts each week? Well, you would have to because yeah. the other host would be injured or. or uh, and you'd uh, have to kind of do deal. like the the Netflix model of like recording everything in advance and then releasing it all in bulk so that people didn't oh, catch yeah. on to the whole concept of right. the show. Right. Well, sure. You would want to you would want and you would want it to be binge-worthy cuz you wouldn't know what the body count would be. So mm, if you tune into point. the to the Authentic Rap podcast, you listen to, you know, you listen to a little bit, somebody says the wrong thing, there's a lot of boasting and then uh, gunshots. Gunshots. And, and then you just you just go right into the next one yeah. right then. Yeah, like ten shows. See, I think we should do like a Snapchat like podcast where like once it's over, it's gone, and uh, you just. <laughs> Sometimes I feel that way anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't access it ever again. No, no. Sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can, and I just won't. So we're still down a man. We are down a man. Um, I yeah, did. I did. We're holding. We're holding vigil for Shane. I we're did all contact Shane and told him what this week's record was, and he seemed genuinely crestfallen. Oh, good. Um, good. Twist the knife us. a little. Yeah. Um, and in fact, we can contact him uh, and get his thoughts on it because he had apparently just been talking about Bon Scott era ACDC yeah. with his wife okay. like the night before. As you do. Yeah. As one does. Yeah, in, in sure. Healthy well, marriage. And that's the thing. It's like when when you can't be on the show for a little while and you're home with your wife instead, she gets to hear the things now that he would typically talk about on Wednesday. Yeah. So. God well, we her. really ought to do. Yeah, he we should just, just tape him, tape his conversations with his wife, and send them in. Well, well, I was gonna say that we ought to have her in for a special PTSD episode. Oh, of, that's uh, a great idea. Without him, it, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And then he started talking about Bon Scott, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Um, anyway, no, yeah. So we're still down, Shane. He will be back. Um, you know, one of these days. But in the meantime, uh, it is. Uh, the we, we're a power trio. We're like we're like Rush, without the drums. ZZ Top, Le- whatever. Less yeah, Canadian. What have you? Yeah, ZZ Top. Sure, ZZ, ZZ Top. Top will show up again in this episode. I promise. Oh yeah, uh, Kevin. True. Did you have anything uh, current events related? Well, I do. But before we do that, uh, why don't we uh, play some theme music? I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. Hey, so um, do you guys remember when we did the Cracker episode? I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, well, so part of... Kind of every show is a Cracker episode. <laughs> it's all of us. <laughs> I suppose. Well, really depends on your Open that one up for him. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, the... Uh, is it David Lowry? The yes. The guy behind yes. that band in Camp Brand of Beethoven? Anyway, um, part of the... As you probably recall, part of the gist of that that episode was that not only, you know, has he done what he's done in his music career, but also he's this big sort of activist. And there, at the time, there was a, there was movement on this Spotify case. Anyway, Spotify went public yesterday, and 
there, frankly, like there was necess- there was kind of the expectation that like so an I- an IPO and so, like I guess the the usual that, first yeah, question is like how did it do? Like, well, that yeah. So I'm getting there. So they they had their that? they had their initial. I did not get in on it. They they had their initial public offering yesterday. Um, and there was there was kind of an expectation that was like a little bit of a coin flip that it might not do that well that you know that Spotify has seen like they've there's they've been sued there's been a lot of piracy you know it's anyway but um, it uh, did really well and technically right now that company is worth twenty six point five billion dollars about the same oh, as no. General Mills <laughs> like now it probably it won't, won't stay there it probably won't stay there right but if you are you know, if you're somebody who like just you know, if you just whatever, stock talk, like if you if you had Spotify stock or if you're an employee who had been there for a while, like it's a pretty pretty sweet day. Could you have invested using Bitcoin? Oh well, yeah, but this isn't that kind of All right. <laughs> this isn't that <laughs> well. kind of show. Anyway, I just thought that, you know, uh I just thought it was interesting. Like now here is this you know, there's been a l I'll be curious to see how that ends up impacting the industry because part it's of curious. it. Yeah. I mean like we're like, that's a kind of the backbone of this show is that I paid 10 bucks a month and I listen to whatever the fuck record I want and you know, I don't have to buy the thing, which I realize as somebody who used to manage bands and stuff is not necessarily the greatest thing for the artists involved. Um, well, without getting it, spending a bunch of time getting into Spotify's business model, like which again, sort of really isn't the point. The point is that they had a crazy big, offering and i don't i don't know what the answer like i just i'll just posit the the question like i'll be curious to see based on the fact that that they did really well if the if the money sticks around for a while if that impacts their ability to to pay out to, to pay out yeah like you know that's because that's a twenty thousand you know in this case twenty six point five million billion dollar question right like there are there are artists who yeah it frankly you like there's more music. There's more good music than there is payment for good music, and uh, and so I'll just it'll be something to to watch here as we move forward. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep uh, an eye. But on. what are we here to talk about uh, this evening? This was your week, dude. Yeah, bring it up. Tell us. So I actually I want to do this a little bit unconventionally. Uh, since Shane's not here, I'm gonna pass my um, text message uh, conversation with Shane over to Kevin and just let him read it. Because it's kind of fun. You want him to just read it live on the air? All right. He says, uh, is, yeah, it says, uh, we're doing Highway to Hell next week. I know you can't, but I wish you could be there for it. Um, I'm not going to read you word for word. Basically, Shane says, I hate you, then drops an F-bomb, then says, we're, you are basically dangling a shiny cat toy coated in catnip. Uh, Skyler and I were just discussing... He, it says non-Scott. I'm sure that that's... Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's where it gets fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, ACDC yesterday. Uh, bon. <laughs> and then it says non-Scott again. And then it says Bon Scott. God damn it. So anyway. Uh, yeah. But um, but yeah. We're, yeah. So we're going to talk about Highway to Hell, right? Highway to Hell, which is uh, about six months out from Mr. Bon Scott, not Don, non Scott. <laughs> also, dot, not Don. He was. Knotts. He eventually uh, was non Scott. He, he was non Scott like six months after this record came out. Yeah, the, that whole story is crazy. Like, yeah, there's still like some 
you know, conspiracy theories about like what actually went down with him. We have we have a lot of that to unpack, and I think we should. But I think a I think a reasonably interesting place to start is is the fact that he was he was their chauffeur. He was the band's well, car driver, limo driver. They had a different lead singer. Yeah, and they decided to replace him. And they had been talking to him. Uh, they thought he was too old. He thought they were too young. Both to rock, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and while they were in the process of hiring him to replace the guy they had before, he was driving them around. Yeah. Uh, and then they eventually did. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Like, the dynamic idea is crazy, right? That you're just like, you know, you're sitting out there in the car. While they're in the recording studio or whatever at a With gig. this guy who thinks he has a job. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> until... It's it's not... Let me put it this way. It's not very often that you go from driving the bus to having the mic in front of the, the band. band. Like, it just doesn't yeah. happen. Well, and being and driven around. lauded as one of the greatest front men of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great. And well, in the, in the six f- years that he was actually alive and and in the band, yeah. No, that shit just is is insane. And uh, you know, and the you know part of the lore of this of this record is that kind of now iconic cover. And the funny thing to me is like one of the things that I always just sort of like I never looked at that rec that that the record cover critically. But I always kind of just assumed that that Bon Scott, knowing a little, knowing the story behind that, that Bon Scott was, uh, you know, was was one of the young brothers. Is it Malcolm in the Horns? Uh, it's Malcolm it's Angus. and Angus. Ang- yeah, Angus is in the horns. Angus is in the horns. Yeah. So I so I kind of assumed like just at, like at a glance, I was like, oh, sure, you know, it would make the most sense that that's the dead guy. No. Right. No. It's not the dead guy. Uh, the dead guy is kind of leaning into the chun and just happy as he can be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I I read a little bit about just there was controversy over even the album cover for this album. Uh, and, and of course, the name. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they wanted... Uh, well, I think Atlantic tried to talk them out of uh, that album title. Yeah, they, they did not want Highway to Hell as the album title, and they, they did want... Uh, just the cover to be just Angus with the devil horns and the tail. Um, and the band told him. In well, I, I did tell Shane that we would uh, pour out a can of Foster's over a Catholic <laughs> schoolboy <laughs> uniform for him. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as one does. Instead. We'll yeah. make that happen. Yeah. But it does crack me up that, uh, that uh, Angus Young is still wearing that fucking Catholic schoolboy's uniform. And he's got to be in his 60s now, right? Yeah, no, he's way past school age. Like he should be running <laughs> that school. If he can't graduate, like with the, you know, at some point, maybe homeschooling should be for you. I can't well, imagine a, a why. Guitarist, I, and I and I, I actually I love uh, Angus Young's work, and I, I really like you know his uh, you know his stage presence and whatnot. But I remember when I was working with this band uh, fifteen twenty years ago. Um, and this guitar player who had like a really dynamic sound, but he just didn't move at all on stage. And he'd like look at his feet and stuff. And I was like, why do you do that? Why don't you try to like engage the audience? And he was, he was like, well, I don't want to be like uh, Pete Townsend where I have to like keep doing windmills when I'm 60. And I think that's kind of where a precedent. 
Like, you got to figure Angus has at some point gone like, this is so stupid. Why am I putting this on? Why do I keep doing this Chuck Berry shit with my legs and... Yeah, yeah. like, I've got arthritis now. Like, <laughs> uh, but No, you, you just have to eventually buy comfortable shoes. But I think, yeah, and, and to the other guy, like, to the dude that in the band that you were working with, like, mm-hmm. your answer should have been, well, if you're lucky, you'll still be playing guitar at 60. At 60, like, yeah. yeah. Instead don't, of... Like don't picking just, up gigs at local clubs. Yeah, don't just go cash in your Capitol Records pension <laughs> before you got a fucking record deal of any. Yeah, uh, that, that might have been like some uh, uh, hubris, hubris, and chickens before they hatch, or what have you. Yeah. All right. Well, um, oh, here's another thing. So we sometimes, not very often, but every now and then, Ryan, I am reminded of the concept of the band in the closet and this was mine was the bangles well right yeah now we yeah. we've we talked about that but but the the original conceit with ryan's idea of the of the of the of the band in the closet would be like the band that you like that you don't necessarily go around telling everybody that you like mm-hmm. and um and so yeah so so typically it's an act like that well one of the things that that this this band in particular always makes me think about is that there was a guy a long time ago that uh, that I went to high school with who was who was a burgeoning musician and like just kind of like a little bit of a renaissance dude at a at a young age like kind of like ran, ran like a and ran like right a four and, and a half minute mile like yeah and was a like a star athlete in a couple of sports and and like uh, a cr- real creative and just a really, really bright dude. And, uh, and this was, of course, you know, this was, this was, and this is going to, it's, this sounds silly because this, the band that I'm about to mention is such a cartoon of themselves these days, but this was during the, you know, cinematic rise to fame of YouTube. Mid to late eighties. Yeah. Late eighties. So, 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 you know, it was within that context that like there were those types of acts were getting a lot of like sort of mainstream attention as being things that were uh, at at that time kind of important, but he and I would have long conversations about. Uh, well, and there was, well, anyway, yeah, he he and I would have long conversations about about bands that probably you know weren't necessarily important, but that you just love and you don't give a shit who knows about it so it's not exactly the band in the closet idea but for him it was acdc he was like he was like i don't care like, yeah and i was like i was and i and i that has always kind of stuck with me is like i was like you know i kind of like i don't necessarily seek them out but they pop up i'm like oh there's my old friend so dude i dig this record and and for what it's worth like and that might not be much, but it is like I think number two hundred on uh, Rolling Stone's top one ninety nine. Exactly that one ninety nine. Yeah, is, is that what it is? That's what it was. Uh, yeah, Rolling Stone's best records of all time, and it fucking rocks. Like R A W K rocks. Yeah, no. like it's rock. Yeah, you know? like it's just it's uh, you take blues and you know like fifties rock and roll and then turn it up to eleven. That's what the record is. Yeah, let me let me share a nugget from um, Rolling Stone, and then why don't we play a track? But uh, 
This is this is from their their blurb on the you know it's, I just because it's Rolling Stone I assume that they just recover this every five years or so but um, this was written in 2003 they they said upon being promoted from the band's driver to its lead singer Bon Scott immediately came up with a singular formula for recording vocals he downed a half bottle of bourbon chased it with some weed and a fat rail of blow and proclaimed I'm ready then he got the take. Uh, Scott was a force of nature, and by ACDC's fourth studio album, he and guitarist Angus Young had become an explosive one-two punch. You'd need, and this is, Angus Young said, you'd need several volumes of Britannica, and I kind of feel like maybe that's not the publication that would be appropriate, uh, just to chronicle what Bond got up to in one day. Inevitably, Scott's wicked ways caught up with him, and he was dead six months into uh, after Highway to Hell's release. So anyway, that is the, that's the quick story of, of Highway to Hell, what what track do you want to play? Uh, we have to get into the uh, namesake because sure, yeah, let's it's, do it. It's the name of the record and it's the one that's most known. Uh, yeah, so let's get into Highway to Hell on Highway to Hell by ACDC. <laughs> So I read this article on loudersound.com about like the making of this album, you know, a little bit of uh, the the history behind it and the controversy around how the the eldest uh, young brother had been kind of their manager, producer, and he was. Well, there was a uh, Malcolm and uh, Malcolm, Angus, and Angus, think... and then there was I think it's George. Is that right? Anyway, he was he was basically kind of pushed out by the the label. And um, after uh, one failed attempt at replacing him, they ended up with, with Mutt Lang, who came in to... Well, Mutt Lang came in to produce this record. He came in to produce the record, right. And um, there's, a, like, fascinating stories about, like, just the, the push and pull between the band and Mutt Lang. And um, I, I think... Uh, I think they, they loved how it ended up. They love how it ended up, but they, it was not it was not exactly that that type of a uh, a sentiment at the beginning i don't think um, so robert john mutt lang i'd always thought of as like oh the def leppard guy you know but also like fucking shania twain who, who he was married to for many years uh like just a ton of you know prominent uh bands and artists typically like i kind of think of his stuff as a little bit overproduced uh, but I think he got it right on this one. Like, it's just, like, just nails it. And Yeah, and he had so much influence in not just the production of this, but actually in, in like, a lot of the lyrics that came out, and uh, in particular in this song, 
uh, Angus Young's solo. Um, it, it it talks about how like um, he would get Mutt would get Angus to sit down next to him, and he would say, "Sit here, and I'll tell you what I want to play." And Angus was like, "Yeah, you effing will, will you?" And then Mutt would actually like show him like on the on the fretboard of the guitar. All right, play this next. Play that next. And he would just kind of walk him through it. Yeah. And that what like he basically just wrote out this solo that you hear on Highway to Hell. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know how much of it is like like him or you know the band themselves, but like what what I particularly enjoy about ACDC about this time uh, in their career was there's just so much tension. Like yeah, you, where you feel like you can't wait for the next uh, guitar stroke, and the drums hit at right the right time. Like it's just uh, you know you just feel like it, it's all this built up release. Well, and to that end, like I feel like this this record, and I don't know, maybe I'm sure that there are some who will disagree, but it I feel like like with regard to that tension, like it feels at times. Like, rec- it still feels reckless by rock and roll standards. Like, there there are lots of uh, rock records that that once they become part of the greater pantheon. Yep. Like, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Once it's in, canonized, in, it's it's all it's in our regular lexicon, and we can't ever think of it as new anymore. Like, I still think, even though I know some of these tracks really really well, the the one we listened to in particular. Well, I think they're really well rehearsed, but they still sound like they're about to explode. Or or they might just break a bottle over somebody's head or like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't sound like like manufactured danger. It's really like and maybe some of that is like brought on by the greater lore of the story and the fact the lead singer died 6 months later. But but they lived hard. Like yeah. and it, and it well, sounds well, like it, they lived hard. And the song Highway to Hell is about like how being on the road is kind of a giant pain in the ass. And what? Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it turns out to be uh, a moneymaker if you're in a band. Yeah. That's a thing that you need to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they weren't talking about like, you know, we're going to live hard and go straight to hell. They were talking about like fucking being on the road sucks sometimes. Yeah. Um, so. But you know what they didn't do? Fucking ballads. You know, I don't need to hear your ballad about how sad close. you are and how how long how you've been away from your loved ones. Theirs is I'm on my way. Well, yeah, th- yeah. There's none of that. <laughs> Jesus. No. Yeah. There's there's none of that. Um, by the way, this album um, rose to number eight in the UK and number seventeen in the US. So it's really lauded as their breakthrough album, certainly here. And uh, back in black, which came out. Uh, the next one after with the the new singer with the uh, rock world's most boring name Brian Johnson <laughs> Brian Johnson yeah <laughs> but he was also originally from Scotland moved to Australia so tell like, everybody again what him. you think the best rock name is that you've ever heard yeah uh, Trip Wiggins Trip Wiggins <laughs> uh, but anyway uh, apparently Back in Black's like the number two selling record of all time or something I think I I read that somewhere. I was like, that, that, well, can't, be, and that right. can't be right. Yeah, and so and and of course the the controversy that surrounds that is that that the rumor at least persists that Bon Scott wrote the lyrics to a bunch of the tracks right. or yeah, all the, the tracks. State is not getting credited, you know, with right. some of that stuff. And ACDC, gotta love them. Uh, they are one of those bands that just like when something happens, they just like you know they take a band meeting about it and then pack up and head on. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Brian Johnson is now being replaced by uh, Axl Rose. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that whole story is kind of crazy. And you no, know, like, yeah, Brian Johnson's like going deaf. He like literally can't be the lead singer of a hard rock band. He's anymore. going deaf. Malcolm Young left because of early onset dementia. And I was like, how would you like to like and this is, you know, whatever. But how would you like to I'm sure the dementia is not a did he ride in the last park? Year? He Maybe did die last more. year. No, okay, well, say he he eventually yeah. left because of not living. But. Well, sure, that's never more retired than when you're retired from life. But, uh, but yeah, he, uh, I would think like being in that band was probably a little bit like early onset dementia from time. It had to, time. to be hard on him. Yeah, it's hard I mean, living. You know, you you talk about like the, I don't know, the almost the reckless abandon of this album. Um, but then that's com- completely contrasted with with Mutt Lang's like just perfectionist way of producing and like making people no man it's re- kind of, it's re-record kind of like, things you know, over and over again in a bottle uh, high voltage yeah uh, but I mean they, you know, to they, be able to like be that well rehearsed but also sound like you're about to go off the rails yeah they put these tracks down in three weeks like that's all they spent in the studio was three weeks of recording. And I mean, you know, I, I guess you could say, wow, it took them that long because it sounds so off the rails. But but just knowing the perfectionist. Uh, Here's the other thing, too. I think there's not there's no small amount of Shangri-La to be found by bands that are just in their moment who recognize that they're in their moment. This is not a similar act, but I do remember a quote that I heard from Peter Hook once from New Order slash Joy Division mm-hmm. who was talking about the Joy Division years and how like when that band started when they were all really young he was like we could just play and it was always really easy and I hear some of that in yeah, this recording just, like, like in the pocket in the moment yep. and like not worrying about, and like a lot of times that fucks over those bands because they don't know that they're making bad business decisions well they were uh, too it sounds like half the time they were too hammered to be competitive with each other which is like great like if you are if you're kind of at this creative zenith and at the same time it's like all this like all that tension is like maybe some of it is is no a lot of times it works in your favor creatively yeah and i've worked with a couple bands that like were they were fucking messes personally yeah uh but like get them on a stage and god damn dude um do we want to do another one yes uh i want to do the other one that that might be uh what people know um and at least half of this record is just about sex. Uh, and so Girls Got Rhythm. Um, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's dangerous, but like to a, like a 13-year-old boy, you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's play it.
possibly be both sophomoric and genius all at once? Sure, they're smart sophomores. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's where I was going. <laughs> but but that song's like genius and stupid. No, like it all is. All at the same time. No, that's I think that's part of their appeal is like it's just they're you know, they're they're anthems without feeling like they're they're not grandiose. In yeah, scale, they're not, they're not trying too hard. No, like, they're just they're they're just they're like just this is how we out. yeah R A W K ing out. Uh, uh, yes. Girls got rhythm, backseat rhythm. That's fucking stupid, but it, somehow it works. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, no, it's well, it's definitely fun, and it's one of those. Yeah, you know, I, I, again, it sounds as it sounds as in the moment today as it as I'm sure it did. When it came out, like the fact is, like those guys were, they weren't taking cues from anybody else. They were, no, they uh, they actually kind of forged their own path. I mean, like maybe uh, Chuck Berry, but like, you know, they're they're right on the the precipice between what we would call hard rock and heavy metal. Um, I, they probably land in hard rock camp, but uh, well, but, retrospectively. I mean, yeah, retrospectively, but I remember like being a kid and thinking these guys were dangerous. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah I remember sure. it too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and um, so the all music take on this, I thought was interesting. We were just talking about Mutt Lang. We said that um, some of the credit for the for the record should also go to Mutt Lang, who gives the album a precision and magnitude that uh, Vanda and Young, the Vanda and Young LPs lacked in their grimy charm, which is some of the. Uh, some earlier work, but anyway, said so filtered through his mixing board. ACDC never found it so sounded so enormous, and they never had such great songs. And and I think that's really a key to this record, anyway, as an aside. But um, they, yeah, they just had good material to work with. Yeah. Anyway, on. they said he said that they had never delivered an album as singularly bone crunching or classic as this until now, and it it feels both classic and a little bone crunchy. Yeah, also a little stupid at times. Totally, like, totally that. But in a good way. Well, but um, but it's a you know it's a again and and it feels like something that you would like in a. I've been to parties where this has been the backdrop, and it's like those are not. It's not a bright environment. Nobody's trying to. No, score but you want to drive like, up in your Trans Am. Yeah, no, it's a little. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a. It's and a drop your your case of Schaefer or whatever the it's fuck. A, it's a Linklater brought, film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well. We're up against the break, so why don't yeah, we do so, yeah, uh, intermission? Why we, yeah, why don't we take a few minutes? Hey, welcome to a few minutes with um, Mark. I think you've got the middle of the show this week, right? I sure do. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, so this week, I wanted to kind of uh, keep things a little more consistent maybe than we typically do uh, for a few minutes with. I know that we tend to kind of go off in completely different direction. But this week, uh, I wanted to pick another band uh, from Australia. Another band's a good idea. Yeah, another Australian act uh, that also released uh, something in 1979. Um, so that we've got... So it's not Midnight Oil. Uh, it's not Midnight Oil. They might uh, have, you know, just... You just didn't know about it. Could be, yeah. yeah. As they, children, they came around a few years later to yeah. stateside mm -hmm. pre midnight oil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like uh, like nine o'clock oil <laughs> at that point, I guess. 
Well, and, and another similarity between uh, this band and ACDC is... Is this it Louis Newton-John? No, but this band is composed of, of some brothers uh, similar to ACDC. Oh, yeah. No, it's very so similar. A, sure. We've got a very similar track going here. So uh-huh. uh, I thought it, it more than appropriate uh, that we listen to some Bee Gees Oh yeah, to, so, tonight. Yep. Um, so we're going to listen to uh, the Bee Gees song released in 1979 called "Too Much Heaven." How about that? You know, there are about 25 places you could begin there. I'll begin by saying the, that video went up on, looks like it went up on YouTube in 2009, has 102 million views. That's at least moderately obscene. Like, <laughs> well, you know what else is obscene? I don't know. Like, there's a lot to unpack in there's that video, and part of it is Barry Gibbs' crotch. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it's very 70s. It's It's super 70s. They um, that track was uh, that track hit number one and that track actually knocked LaFreak out of the number one slot, which probably well, they dates were us massive. On you and I are both old enough to kind of remember when the Bee Gees were like the biggest thing on the planet. Yeah, there was there was uh, a time. But <laughs> also, like it looked like fucking Barry had like a fucking rodent stuff in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. They wrote that song. This is this will also date it. They wrote that song on an after they had an afternoon off when from making the Sgt. Pepper's movie. Forgot oh, about that's that. right. I yeah. forgot about that. And so they wrote that and then that same evening they wrote Shadow Dancing, which uh became an Andy Gibb well, thing. In like, retrospect, like uh, you know, a, a bunch of like BG stuff is like pretty good. And there's a whole cult of people who like love like hundred and two million of them, Ryan. Well <laughs> at least. There's a whole cult of people who love like '60s uh, Bee Gees. They yeah. were like kind of a Beatlesque kind of thing. Yeah, and like a, you know, kind of had a you know big following in Australia. Yeah, and you know they just coincided with the the disco movement, and you know became kind of a laughing stock when disco, you know. Yeah, they faded when that movement took a dirt faded. nap. Yeah, uh, but, but I mean, I, you put I, this up against ACDC's. Highway to Hell. I mean, there's there's some obvious contrasts there. Oh sure, yeah, no, it's kind of a balancing <laughs> agent. This I'm, is this is I think this is pretty fascinating. The recording process for that track uh, was the longest of all the tracks on. I guess it was on a record called Spirits Having Flown, which sounds like that maybe there's something back there as well. <laughs> yes, uh, but 
There are nine layers on the three-part harmony, creating 27 voices, although the high falsetto voices are the most pronounced in the final mix, which is obviously like kind of what the takeaway is. But then they have a breakdown on the Wikipedia page on this song with like how many times who's got lead and how many falsetto things. Anyway, it's like it kind of devolves into also, minutia. Also, fuck you, Jimmy Fallon. You right. ruined <laughs> this band for oh, me. Oh, my God. I that's was thinking all, about that, all too. That's all yeah, I yeah. at this point. Yeah. I mean, no, it was... There were, were great sketches. Yeah, oh, no, it was a great no. bit, but... Uh, yeah, that's all I see at this point. Is <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, I mean, there's 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 the comedic aspect of it all, but I mean, there's a lot of freaking talent in that, isn't there? I mean, they're, sure. they're undeniably yeah. talented, but also just fucking funny, and like to the point where they're like the the pans over their full orchestra they've got yeah. over these three guys, yeah, <laughs> singing the shit. Is it is it, can it be a full orchestra if it's three guys? I mean, look. Well, I mean, like they had an right orchestra in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess so. Oh, okay, I see. I thought you. I thought you were saying that the 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 orchestra was comprised of three guys. But no, no there's no, a full no, blown. No, there's lots of people yeah. reading sheet music <laughs> yeah. to this song <laughs> while they're playing their and the BGs are like, trained instruments. The BGs during the video seem completely thrilled with the fact that all these guys are standing there playing all these. Instruments. Well, and it looks like it's kind of a like not necessarily a studio setting, but like kind of a boutique venue setting. Yeah, kind and of a, almost a, a theater in the round, except the round part is the is the orchestra. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Somebody. You needed, think they rented out the Globe? Maybe they did. Yeah. Uh, anyway, dude, endlessly entertaining. Uh, very I, different, but also from Australia. Also, also brothers. From Australia. Also, <laughs> also brothers. 1979. Dude, that would have been a, a tour I would have paid to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the people who were fans of ACDC would have eaten alive? The people who were oh, fans. Oh man, of yeah, it would have been a melee. <laughs> it would have been. It would have just been a bloodletting. Like I can't. I can't even. Yeah, it would be. It'd be one of those things that you talk about in hush tones, and nobody looks at you in the eyes. <laughs> God damn! Where yeah, I would have worn headgear and, and still <laughs> gone to that show. Yeah, you would kind of. You'd kind of have to. But um, anyway, uh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I, I, yeah, no, thank you, Mark. Like genuinely, one hundred and two um, million views. Amazing. Yeah, dude. And and one more. At least. All right. Let's get back into it. <laughs> just, I just assume that that's what it sounds like when that guy sneezes. <laughs> <laughs> and now for something completely different. So we 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 talked a little bit uh, about the fact that that Highway to Hell, the record from ACDC, that's uh, sort of our grand tour this evening, uh, ended up sort of. The, it's the, it's I mean, the main course. It is. But yeah, so it it ended up on one of one of Rolling Stones random and constantly changing uh top lists. In in this case, like uh ended up on their on their list of best records of all time. But one of the things that they, they talk about in the actual review that they, they put up with this about this record was uh when Bon Scott said, Lock up your daughter, lock up your wife, lock up your back door. Um, 
on high voltage, they said he, which is a previous record, he said was he wasn't so much issuing a threat as celebrating his inalienable right to be crass. And if that's true, then this record really doubles down on like just trying to, you know, like they don't care if they're like, I mean, it's a, they're, no, it's they're a pretty and, fierce pub band. I, I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier in the show that, um, ZZ Top was doing something like this at the time. Like they don't sound exactly the same, but they both like took like that kind of core of what you know, like R and B and rock and roll like started out as, and like kind of did their own thing with it. Uh, you know, as being a Houston guy, like always love me some ZZ Top, but you know, uh, it's like guys who just like grabbed it by the throat and did their thing. I mean, and I yeah, a, it's kind of stupid. Yeah, uh, it and is, it is stupid. and most of the songs are about sex, and that's definitely the case in, with ZZ Top. Well, and I mentioned the I mentioned the Rolling Stone write up on this. So one of the, the one of the things, and I call these guys like kind of a like pub band on steroids or whatever. But this guy actually goes on to say that the that they graduated from the back of the bar to the front of the arena on this record, thanks in part again to Mutt Lang. But he said that in his version of why is that the songs are more compact and the choruses are fattened by what he calls rugby team harmonies. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, there, there it is... It does sound like these guys could play rugby. No, they um, said, sure. They look like they were... You know, let me put it this way. You know how, like, Shane always says that, like, um, the Arctic Monkeys always sound like they're ready to fight? If the Arctic Monkeys walked into ACDC in their prime, I think the Arctic Monkeys would go like, oh, shit, I was just trying to find my keys. I'm going home. <laughs> my bad, fellas. Like... All right, so this is this is semi on topic. Okay, did I ever tell you guys that I waited on uh, the drummer from ZZ Top? Oh, Frank Beard. Yes, you did Frank. tell me that because we went to the beach with his daughter once, and that is true. That yeah, is, that a long is time true. ago. Like, uh, yeah, when she was a child. We're, we're from Houston, and yeah, his kid was like three or four or something. Yeah, uh, but I got handed a platinum Amex card. And went to run it, and I saw it said Frank Beard, and I was like, "Hey, by any chance, are you the drummer for ZZ Top?" And he was like, "Yeah, I sure am." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was his. That was his. That was the. Oh, tone he was of- thrilled. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, lit- I literally ran into Dusty Hill in when I worked at Memorial City Hospital. Did he have the giant beard? He did have the giant beard. His his mother was in the hospital for a knee replacement, and I was. Uh, her physical therapist aid and uh, literally ran into Do Dusty I know Hill you with, like at all with a wheelchair, like almost knocked him off his feet. And he was the nicest guy I think I've ever met. In that uh, hospital. See, that's that's great. Well, I always feel weird. Like, you know, I've met celebrities in my life and I feel weird because some of them don't really want to be acknowledged. But he was like, oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Nice guys. Yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's cool. So I I I have to get in. The fact that uh, several years ago, there used this is <laughs> this is not the best part of the story. Years ago, there used to be a hard rock cafe in Austin, and it wasn't here for that long. It didn't do particularly well, but there was an experiment when they put one down on Sixth Street for a little while, and they. Um, Are you it, talking about Colby's? I am. Just let me get there. Right. So yeah, so so uh, around that time, just so happened, and this is guys Angus related. Yeah, stay with me. Yeah, you, you want to tell the whole story? No, but I know the whole story. <laughs> yeah, well, sure you do. So anyway, um, 
it just so happened that uh, Angus Young's 50th birthday was rolling around. And so the Hard Rock Cafe put together this giant Angus beef hamburger. And the deal was that if your name... If your if your name was Angus, you could come in and they'd give you a free burger on Angus Young's birthday, and they're like, "Oh, what a cool promotion!" Well, having a few drinks with my idiot friend from West Texas, whose parents were ranchers and whose middle name is Angus. He's he's not an idiot. He's well, we all have our moments. He's fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, I stay with me. So so anyway, so so my buddy says, uh, the idiot part comes in here. The he says. He says, you know what we ought to do? We ought to try and go to all of the Hard Rock cafes on uh, on this day that, you know, four tomorrow. It was like tomorrow. And, and it was four of them. We ought to the go to all day. of the we ought to go to all the Hard Rock cafes. I'll eat the free burger at all the Hard Rock cafes in Texas. And there were four of them in uh, Austin, San Antonio, Dallas and Houston. And so if you've never if you're if you've driven around Texas or you're from here or whatever, it's a it's a really big state, it takes a long time to get places sometimes. And um anyway, so we we basically we did. We were young and not that bright and so uh we piled in the car and we drove to four different hard rock lo- uh, we left like at eight o'clock in the morning Austin, and got Dallas Houston and then uh, San Antonio yeah and the longer we won't tell the, the whole longer version of the story but these these burgers were gigantic my friend is six five but th- was pretty thin and uh, so he put the first couple away but what you learn on those trips is that like your body eventually figures out that you're full and then he had to just will himself through the one in San Antonio. And then we did the one in Austin last. And he would have to get up from the table and walk away and put his hands on his hips and not look at it for a while and then come back and try again. And anyway, it's a weird story about ACDC that's not actually about ACDC. Well, I mean, he's uh, Colby Angus. Uh, I'm even trying to remember his last name at this point. Anyway, yeah, the, the point uh, being, yeah, his middle name is Angus. And so we... We uh, no, I was the one who like sent him a message going like, "Hey, by the way, if you want a free burger, do this." And so he took it and upped it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so the the point is, is like we all do stupid things. These guys, Colby these guys, Angus Black. By the way, uh, motherfucker needs to listen to this now. Yeah. The the point being, uh, that that the soundtrack like. Highway to Hell could have been the soundtrack for that day. <laughs> so, I mean, both. We met you guys for lunch, uh, like me and my ex. Like, I was in Houston at the time and met you guys at a Hard Rock Cafe. And yeah, I think he, he, was still, he was still doing okay then. But by the time we got to San Antonio, you know, two and a half hours later uh, after, after hitting Houston, he'd already eaten two of those things, and they were massive. And I was calling ahead to let people know that we were coming. And so they would have the burger ready when we got there. Anyway, it was just well, it I was complicated and ridiculous. Time, words alluding to this effect, like I weep for your colon. Uh, so anyway, we should get into uh, the last song from uh, Highway to Hell. Uh, what do you want to la- play? Not necessarily the last song, but like the, the last song I want to talk about. But uh, and it's a stupid name, but I really enjoy this song, uh, and it's called "Beating Around the Bush."
It's a classic riff. That's what nails me about that song. As stupid as the lyrics may be, like it's just a fucking classic riff. I mean, clearly not the vocals, but am I reminded of some George Thorogood there? George Thorogood, ZZ Top, uh, fucking um, Chuck Berry. Like, it's just blues-based rock and roll. Billboard called uh, called this this record high energy, and actually really called, like, what their sound is, is, like, high energy, lowbrow, heavy metal. And I mean, like... Lowbrow, heavy metal. I like, love that. Yeah. I, you know, like, I, was, I, was, I was in between... Whether it's going to be heavy metal or hard rock, yeah, and it's like it's right at the precipice. Uh, but lowbrow heavy metal, <laughs> I love that. No, it is, and you know, usually heavy metal is uh, super intellectual, so it's a it's a nice twist. No, but they tend to like twist the knife and make it more extreme. Uh, and this is just like fifties rock and roll, just uh, like a lot more hardcore than you thought it would go and then you know uh, heavy metal like kind of took it from there and tried to like push the uh the boundaries even further now they're they're like these guys are fun like there's just no way around the fact that it's like you gotta blast yeah yeah you gotta know that you like like when they were especially when they're in their prime you'd come out you'd probably come out of those shows and just like I don't know. Like it's a you like get your adrenaline going. Absolutely. Like my adrenaline was going from this, like just listening to it for the past week. Uh, yeah. Everybody should also go watch Heavy Metal Parking Lot, uh, which <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen, but yeah. it's gold. Uh, but that's the uh, somebody like did a documentary. It's it's about twenty minutes long, I think, on uh, a Judas Priest show yeah and the people who were hanging out in the parking lot and it was like i don't know 1982 or something yeah and it's awesome oh my god i can only imagine and it rocks r-a-w-k king <laughs> <laughs> all right well um cool well thanks for thanks for picking this one ryan i think all things being equal i think uh i think i think it's still Rocks a little bit. Rocks. A little. Rocks. R-A-W-K. Yes. <laughs> Goddamn right. Yeah. Uh, who's got next? I, I've got I've got the current uh, affair this week. Um, should I tell you guys? I don't know. I never remember how we do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go so we're going to listen us. to a track um, that came out last year by a band called the Rat Boys called Elvis is in the Freezer.
Yeah, so that was uh, Elvis in the Freezer by the Rat Boys. Um, I am Were always there boys in I, that. There may video? Not, I don't. There may be boys in that band. There may not. There certainly weren't any boys in the video of, of consequence. I don't. Except I am, for maybe Elvis. Well, right. Yeah, yeah. Except for the dearly departed uh, Kitty, who it <laughs> turns out. Uh, maybe the Elvis in question. I'm so confused. <laughs> uh, it, okay, so it's it's like a lady romance in reverse. It's a story I in reverse. I yeah. So I I so that was actually I intentionally didn't watch this video before tonight, and I tend to enjoy the uh, the reverse narrative. I do too. But, yeah, and I thought that video was really well shot, but um, was very well shot. I still don't know. What so it happened. starts off with them having buried. What I presume is Elvis. The I believe cat. so. Yes. So. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So Elvis is in the freezer. Refers to refers to her cat, and and it essentially is a story. Uh, is it the narrative of their like a uh, romance? I I believe there's some of that. Yeah, that culminates in the burying of this cat, um, but goes back a little bit in time. I think it's Actually, really just the last few days of Elvis's life. Could be. Well, you know, that's <laughs> sweet and all. Uh, but, and I thought it was a pretty good song, but I was just so confused all the time. Yeah. Well, also, there's. it looked like maybe the Chamber of Commerce of Louisville had a little bit to do <laughs> with what was going on there. <laughs> well, um, maybe they is that where in. that was filmed? Was that Louisville? Yeah, that's what the, like, well, and I thought, I honestly, I thought it was Nashville for a while because there there's some very similar um Geography, mm-hmm. but um, then they held a book that said it was Louisville. Oh, <laughs> so well, I was like, okay. Anyway, yeah. So that uh, that's the that's the rap boys. I enjoyed the song. The I enjoyed the video. I thought I thought the narrative I, was, I loved, was cute. I love the song. I love cats. Like I like ladies. I don't <laughs> mind if ladies like other ladies. But I was just how do you feel about when they like? I cats? just still couldn't put it all together. Uh, yeah. Like while watching it, uh, but we don't actually know if Elvis was. A boy cat or a girl cat? I mean, who's I don't, is, like and does, 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 yeah, your name's Elvis. <laughs> you don't have to be a boy cat. That's right. <laughs> this is not important. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so that that was a good time. Um, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about the Rat Boys, except that I know that that track came out last year, and um, I think maybe they're from Chicago. No if rap I, if I, and no boys. Um. Right. Well, maybe the rat had, I don't know, maybe that had something to do with why there was a cat there. I don't, I frankly don't know. But um, maybe the cat, like, took care of all the rats. Oh, yeah, okay. Look, so there is a dude in that band. So it really looks like the the, the two main characters in that video were actresses. Actually, probably. there's three boys in that band. Okay. Anyway, um, there is somebody in that band who is also in the video, though. So... If you're keeping score at home, uh, <laughs> just put down the the number one. <laughs> so anyway, um, well, let me tell you guys what we're doing next week. So, uh, you know, last year we um, we covered the Grolke Award winner um, from previous South by, which is a band called the Lemon Twigs. Who have since True. kind of gone on yeah, to some I interesting named after things. Uh, Brent Grokey, who was the you know creative programmer uh, back in the day. Yeah, at, at South by Southwest, not uh, of that band. And so, yeah. Um, so I thought it would be fun to kind of revisit, take a look at who won that this year, and 
It's a band out of L.A. called Starcrawler, and I have barely heard anything that they've done. So, uh, but they put they've got an, uh, an LP out on Rough Trade. So we're gonna give it a listen and come back and talk about well, it next I, week. I dig that conference and I, I dig that label. So like uh, worth giving a check in. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, I guess until next week. I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. Ha 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 ha!